we're talking about the transforming power of Jesus and what it brings into our life and ultimately today how it brings new life and why that matters for us like like what are what we're facing that can ultimately be transformed through a new life in Jesus and what that means not only for us but those around us that are looking to our example and following our example. So Philippians 3, we're going to walk through all the way to Philippians 4.1, but we're just going to do verses 12 through 16 initially here. It says, I do not, or I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, But I focus on the one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Man, so what things is he talking about, right? It's easy to go, okay, wait, this? I've already attained to this or these things. And it could be all that we've already hit on in Philippians. Or it could be all the things that are ultimately in the character of one that is made new through Christ. I'm pressing on towards these things or I've not already attained these things. Paul is trying to encourage these new followers of Jesus in in Philippi that that don't be confused by all the teaching. If you remember from the last few weeks, there's people coming in and saying, you know, maybe there's not grace in Jesus alone. Maybe you should still go back and and try to fulfill all the laws and and try to practice these things and and, and do the circumcision and do this practice. and, And then maybe you'll be okay with God. No, you're... Paul's like, no, you can be made new in Jesus right right now through faith in Jesus. And that's our big idea, ultimately. God is calling you to new life. That's what Paul's trying to get across here. Don't let the call to new life be removed by people who are coming in and opposing or, or people who are saying you need more than this or that. No, you're perfected through Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus alone, that faith in Jesus moment for you is how you obtain life. John 10.10 10 makes it clear. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You know what the enemy loves to do? is if you've made a decision to start to pursue Jesus, he would love to distract you even from the full life that comes through Jesus to make you convinced somehow, way, shape, or form, you still don't deserve grace. You come in, you choose to follow Jesus as your Lord, and then the enemy still comes after you and says, but you're really not good enough, right? I went through that for a couple of years after making a decision to follow Jesus, wrestling with the, the past that I... I was living and all that came with that. And so I'm so thankful to see that God brings us new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. The old life is literally gone. Gone. 
I don't know if you've ever looked in the eyes of a little child. Anybody like to just, it's newborn babies, does that get to anybody out there? You see a little newborn baby and you're like, what? This is just perfection. This is incredible. Some couples just got nervous. What? You're thinking about babies? You know, like, no, no, no. Uh, anyway, uh, but it's just like, you know, the reality of the newborn baby and how beautiful a newborn baby, it's just ultimate perfection. And you're looking there going innocence and, and life. And it's just lots of people actually make a decision to follow Jesus through their having children because they're like, there's no way this is just by chance. This is impossible. It's just so eye-opening. New life. And we're being told here we have new life through Jesus, and it's still that same. God's trying to communicate that same innocence, that same beauty, that same purity comes in the moment of choosing to invite Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. Like, there's a transforming work that happens, and, and God has made the way through Jesus for you to literally be born again. And I think sometimes we forget that. We forget that hope that comes through a new life through Jesus. And this prize Paul is, is instructing the Philippian church about that, that we need to be aware of still today is an eternal promise of heaven through Jesus Christ. Like our eternal reward, but not just eternity. It's living life to the full right now through Jesus. Not obstructed by the things of the past. The sins that would entangle us. But living in our new life is quite the undertaking that Paul's trying to bring these people back to right? It's a fresh innocence that comes when we decide to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so Paul does us this favor, and he kind of maps out in this portion of Philippians some insights in how to walk out a new life in Jesus. And so we have four thoughts for you today. As, as usual, we have a few thoughts to, to challenge you with before an action. And, and thought one is, we need to forget the past, Easier said than done, right? Isn't that the tough one? Because I think that enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy is really good at reminding us of our past. Often. Frequently. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead is what Paul says here in Philippians. It's amazing to look to the future and, and, and the glamour and the brilliance of the now sometimes is intense. And, and when you look at new things, like new life. And I remember the moment I made a decision to follow Jesus. And of all places, I was in Salt Lake City, Utah. I walk out of a coliseum there. And it's like the grass is greener. And in Utah, the grass is not green. So it's just saying, it was, I don't know why I thought that. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. It was like all things were new. I, I will never forget that day in 1993. June 6th. It was kind of crazy. And, uh, but now, new things are still, like, inspiring to me. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I like looking at things that are new and just going, well, that's really cool, right? So right now is new phone season. Anybody out there needing a phone and you're like, oh, I got to compare. And now you have, like, professions on YouTube of people who buy every type of phone. How they can afford this, I have no idea. And they'll either, you know, uh, test their, their phone, the, the, like, uh, how 
good their service is or how good their cameras are or how fast the speed is. There's even crazy people who find out how easy it is to break their phone, kind of like Ed dropping his right over there while I'm talking about this. Good thing you work for Verizon. Anyway, so, uh, you know, it's these moments that, that were, a lot of people are out there kind of drooling over the new product. And I was sitting there with, with a couple of my kids watching uh, a YouTuber. I, I'm, I geek out on some of these guys, so I was, I was watching some of them, and, and uh, the Moment guys in Seattle, I was watching their stuff and uh, on the comparisons, and they're comparing the old with the new, and, and you're just watching it, and all of a sudden, they do these side-by-side photo comparisons. And one of my daughters, it was hilarious, is like, oh, like there was an audible reaction to the new versus the old. And it's so funny to kind of just realize the difference that comes with the new. And that, it's the same with like whether you're watching an iPhone thing or whatever, but it's like to see some, there's some value. I know we're supposed to forget the past, but there's some value in remembering where you came from. Because the transformation is like, whoa, I know in my life it has been. A friend of mine who's a pastor, <laughs> I've told this story before, but I remember it had been years I was in ministry since I'd seen one of these guys I played basketball with in high school. I bump into him in a theater, and he's like, Huff, whoa, I haven't seen you forever. What are you up to? You know, and I was just like, oh, man, not much. He's like, no, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm actually over in Spokane. I'm a pastor. And I remember watching him turn kind of shades of white. And then he was just like, the bam. And it was a hard floor like this. He just was cold. Well, he himself is a pastor. So he probably couldn't believe it. Like, because I was not the same. I was not the same as I am today. I'm definitely a new creation. And it was that much of a shock, the transformation, just to say I was a Christian, blew his mind, let alone a pastor. And I think sometimes we forget how far we've come. We haven't put our lives up side by side in a while. Man, these passages are a great reminder. Okay, yeah, wow, this life is so rich that I'm in. But what Paul is challenging them with is this thing about, like, don't get connected. Don't, don't hitch yourself to the past. In fact, it's a thing called a, a present participle phrase here. And that means he's saying, keep on forgetting the past. So when temptation comes and the enemy tries to throw up your old temptations, you keep forgetting the past. You know how to focus on the prize, the future. And I think that's a discipline that is so hard and we need to be there for one another to make it through at times. Forgetting the past is not easy. But we have help. We're not alone in this. Lamentations 3.22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh 
each morning. Wow, isn't that good news? Because there's times we look to the past. We didn't keep on forgetting. And we stumble and we fall. And we need the grace of God in that moment. And isn't it good to know his mercies are fresh for you every morning. There's new life for you every single morning. And that is something we need to write down. Man, maybe we're writing it. Maybe you're a bathroom mirror reminder writer. I don't know. Uh, maybe you set a reminder on uh, your phone or put it in your car on a sticky note or whatever, but begin fresh. We need to remember that in the morning. Every morning begins fresh. Like God has this complete fresh start for us. What mercy for our lives. We should be incredibly grateful for that. I think we're way harder. The old is gone. The new has come, right? We're hard on ourselves. We need to forget about it. We need to grab onto that fresh. Psalm 103 says it this way, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. So we really do become new, like that little life, that pure, innocent, peaceful baby. God brings us back to this new life. And what I love about this, and, and I, I, it's time we stop wishing we had somebody else's story. Because this is referring to, to my life. He fills my life. I love the way the psalmist wrote that because it's true for my life right now. Oh, man, well, they have grace. I just wish I, wish I had their story. Your story fulfills a purpose God only has for you to accomplish. And he needs to fill all of our lives with his fresh mercy every, every day. He needs to renew all of our lives because people around you are influenced by your life. They need your example to find and follow Jesus and the life that comes through Jesus. I, I think no matter what the past has let you encounter and experience, there's new life for all of us. He wants new life for you. It's not reserved for the person next to you. They were a little better than me. No, not at all. Jesus went to the cross and conquered the grave for your life. So your life could be renewed. Every single one of you, no matter your story. Growing up on a farm, I witnessed a, a, a lot of different things. But uh, we, we had cows and, and animals of all sorts. And, and so... The, the illustration I remember was the difference between the, the cows and the buffaloes. And I don't know if you've ever uh, heard this before, but the reality of when a storm is coming, and we lived in this place in, in Rochester, Washington, this little place called Gate, where we would watch against the Black Hills. We lived on a 365-acre farm. I know I look like a farmer. Anyway, uh, no, we did. I did that from the age of 4 to 15. And I remember watching storms come along the hills. You would see them coming a ways before they got to you. And the cows 
and, and the horses and all these different animals act differently when a storm is coming. And, and buffalo do something different than, than other cows. Cows will try to outrun a storm. So if a, a storm is coming towards the east from the west, they'll, they'll run and try to outpace the storm. But what they end up doing, cows, is they stay in the storm longer because they're running with it, right? And so they're prolonging their misery by trying to get away from their past. Their, their vision, their mission is to get away from what harm is, is in their rearview mirror ultimately, right? But buffalo, they're smart, and they do it differently. When the storm's coming at them, they run into the storm because then they'll shorten the life of the storm. And they end up in the new season on the other side. And I think we can, we can take a lesson from that because I, we prolong our pain by not forgetting what we're pressing on from, right? We, we remember the past so much that we are trying to outrun our past when actually God's calling us to just enter into a new life, enter into a new season through Jesus. And that brings us to thought too. Paul challenges us to press on. This phrase is repeated multiple times here to share just the importance and significance of it. And it's not just a go forward. No, this is like press on. Those buffalo, it's not easy for them to press into and through a storm. And same with our lives. The storms that come at us, those are not easy. Because you make a decision to follow Jesus does not mean pain is gone, uh, life is all happy and cheery, no more sorrows, right? That's, that's heaven, no more sorrows. On earth, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have pains. We're going to have sorrow. Some of us, it's like, man, we just keep doing, weird. We, had, we had a flat tire today and, a, and an inflatable pump broke and a uh, my shirt got ground into like a motor of a cage thingy over there. So I went home to get a new shirt. I'm ironing the shirt. I don't iron. I'll just admit it right now. So if it looks. Anyway, so I'm ironing this. And I'm in the process of like turning it around. And, you know, I broke my finger a while back. And, and it's almost healed. And the iron decided to just like fall on my hand. That was hot, usually. This morning it was. And you're like... You know, things happen. Just as it's, sometimes you have times like that. And you just, you could just dwell on the negative or you could press on. You could just go, okay, well, this is one of those moments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press on. <laughs> I'm going to face the opposition. I'm going to just take it with force if I have to. I'm going to have a good day, period. Okay means I get a new shirt and all kinds of stuff, you know. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, verse 24 and 25, and you probably already thought these when I read the opening passages, but if you've read through the scriptures before, this is a common utilized passage. It says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training and they do it to win 
the prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. See, through Jesus, we run and press on towards a prize of eternal life. We keep pressing on. I don't know, some of you are runners. Um, I, I am not currently. Um, I did used to run. I get the runs. Anyway, so we, uh, I'm not currently running or, okay, anyway. Uh, this week, in fact, I think it was yesterday, a Kenyan, I can't pronounce his name, but Iliud Kapchaker, something like that, uh, he broke something nobody thought was possible. He ran a marathon, 26.2 miles in under two hours. Under two hours. Unreal. I saw the headline come up, and given the fact that I used to run, <laughs> very past tense, I, uh, I thought, man, that's tough. Because I started doing the math, and I'm like, that's like a four-minute 34-second pace per mile for 26 miles. That's insane. And I started processing, like, how did he do this? And so I looked up the article, and I'm reading about it. Well, first of all, he did not do it alone. It's not a world record because he did things that made it not qualify as a world record. He had a pace car that was pacing him. He did it in a location that was prime elevation for breathing. He had a team of 35 runners that interchanged uh, at different mile markers with him and six subs for the 35 that kept him on pace. In fact, they would run in front of him so that they would break the wind so his energy was saved. But the reality is a human being set out to run a marathon in one hour, 59 minutes, and 50 seconds. And in the end, he did it in one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. He, and that's a, 10 seconds is all kinds of everything when you're talking about 26 miles. Unbelievable achievement for humanity. Do you think he had to press on during that? To keep pace with the car and the others that were running with him. But also, did you notice he didn't go at it alone? He surrounded people with him that were all about helping him press on. We should not press on through life alone. That's why the church exists. That's why God gives us each other. As we grow in our relationship and love for God, we have the opportunity to love each other and be present in people's lives when we're in a season where we need help from other people to break the wind that's coming right at us, to, to help us be pacing our life towards our purpose. We need to be surrounded by people who care about us and don't give up on us, no matter the season. That's you. For each other, but for this community, God like literally has put you in your school for a reason, students. He's put you in this season of your life for a reason, in the company you're, you're at for a reason, in, in the sports you do for a reason, in the hobbies you have for a reason. You're in a space of influence intentionally by God's orchestration. Don't ever forget it. 
The favor that he gives you is purposeful. It's like we're running this thing, this marathon called life. And this runner who accomplished something that's never been done in all of human history didn't go at it alone, and I don't think we should. We've got to learn how to press on. We've got to learn how to do it, and we shouldn't try to do it without Jesus. In fact, John 3.30 says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Like, the more we understand Jesus is on our side and on our team and others are on our team as we're chasing after the prize of life, the more we're going to realize, like, man, when we're pressing on, we, we need more of Jesus. We need more of each other. Thought three, hold on to progress. Why would he say hold on to progress? So, because I think sometimes we, we treat our our, our our faith is seasonal. We treat these moments as like a, a season in my life to get me through this, I'll, I'll find my way back to Jesus. Or, but God's intent is that, man, no, we hold on to progress. Don't slip back. Don't go towards the past. That's why we're supposed to forget it, right? Don't digress. Hold on. When we make some progress, when we press on into that storm, there will be an end. Hold on. Don't give in and turn and try to get out of it that way or we'll do as the cow. Prolong our misery. Second Thessalonians 2.15 says, With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. The church of Philippi was not the only church wrestling with this. They weren't the only church facing oppositions from, from well-meaning religious people telling them, well, maybe you're going at your religion a little wrong. You should do this. Well, maybe you're off just a little bit. You should do this. Well, what if we just said, let's celebrate what we have in common and disagree to, agree to disagree on what we have separate? We've kind of gotten really bad at that in the world we live in, haven't we? To get along with people even though we don't 100% agree is very important. And this is the challenge right here. Is man, keep a strong grip on, your, on these teachings that I've passed on to you. And, and this is Paul teaching every church that he was in to not just easily go back to the way you used to live because it gets confusing in any given season. Hold on. Are you reaching out for more? And when you reach it, are you grabbing a hold more and more of Jesus? Or is it tempting to let go because it's been a little too difficult in a season? I just want to encourage you today, hold on. Don't give up. Don't let go. Hold on. Get a tight grip. The temptations are there, but don't let go and go with the flow. God didn't intend us to be average. He wants us to live life to the full. So we're going to go out into this abundant life. He's got a purpose for us, he promises us. We don't need to do something over and over because we, we, we give up progress. We, we have this genuine relationship with God. 
It's not a, a religion or a repetitious practice, but he's just saying, don't give up on where you've come. I think one of the things we could get better at is thinking longer. We, we sometimes think one step at a time, but if we think longer, we won't give up so quickly. Oh, okay, I get it. I'll, we'll get through this. It's taken a while, but we'll get through this. Ten years from now, things will look different, so I don't need to give up because of the now, right? Hold on for progress of your faith. Don't give him to the temptation and throw in the towel. Don't give up on that dream just because it's coming a bit slower. Hold on to the progress. Appreciate the little steps, but see what God has for our future. Don't be afraid to bring others into your pursuit like that marathon runner did. That was a huge team of people to accomplish that feat. And I think it's a huge thing to accomplish a life lived faithfully to God. It's not easy. In a world that has a lot of tempting directions to pull us to the left and the right. There's a lot of tempting pursuits other than following Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. Let's read the second half of our, our text today and then I'll, I'll land into our fourth thought. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I, I say it again with tears in my eyes. Me and Paul have that in common. Okay. Uh, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction, and their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, rising or using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Wow. Thought four. Learn from my example. Isn't that what he's saying there? In fact, he's, he's talking about imitation. He says, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Not only is he saying, imitate me, he's saying, imitate those who are imitating me. Kind of like the pace car for that marathon runner. Run at this speed, you'll achieve your goal. But in this instance, all of us, when we're saying our mission is to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, ultimately what we're attempting to accomplish is to be the people leading people, not just the, the people being led. We have this opportunity to take on the role of being the example and then passing on that example to others that are being the example. God has a plan for sharing this life through Jesus to the whole world, and it involves you and me. We're supposed to be an example and learn from example. He says in 1 Corinthians 4.16, I urge you to imitate me. Have you ever just thought, like, what would 
my friend's life look like if they followed Jesus like I do? There's one side that that makes you nervous. You're like, oh, man. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like that's accountability to consider. But that's really what what Paul's digging at here. He's going to hit on it again in a couple weeks. There's limited influence that one person can potentially make. That's why we need all of us active in a relationship with Jesus so that others can see the love God has for them, that serving others unconditionally, that we would be experiencing life and they could just go, man, why is that person making it through this season? The impact of learning from example and not just modeling Christianity's potential impact, but literally showing people an example of what it is to live for God and press on and hold on and forget our past and move towards the future. We're full, the world around us, if we'll pause and look, there's some great examples of what it is to follow Jesus and do life that's worth being an example. And I think that's one of the things that holds us back is we're like, well, I don't, people shouldn't follow me the way I'm following Jesus. Really? Well, then let's adjust the way we're following Jesus. I think you're worthy of leading. You're, you're influencing someone, whether you realize it or not. Someone is watching to your example. This week we went up to the University of Washington and prayed over one of our members who's in a battle for her life against cancer. And just talking to them about the example they are in their home with their kids, how much they love their family. Um, And that's a challenging example to follow. Their attitudes in the face of a storm. Dana and I left there just... Shocker, crying, but uh, having a conversation about, man, we have this honor and opportunity to love people at such seasons of their lives, and what a challenging example of somebody's family that is just living to the full still, even though they're in the midst of tragedy and pain and hurt. It's a challenge that looks like none other, but they're doing so well pressing on. It was inspiring and painful all at the same time. We need to never stop learning from the examples around us. Taking note, figuring out, man, how do we make a difference in the lives of those that are just so desperate for an example to follow? And we have love and we have the ability to serve unconditionally and we have life to the full. We need to offer it. We need to share it more often. We should be challenged by this. Our action point today is right from the text again this week. It says, stay true to the Lord. What is that? Like, stay true to the Lord. In other words, don't veer off the path of the teaching that God is showing us in Scripture. This is not an idea. This is not someone's thought. This is like the gospel, the hope of the world. Stay true to it. Stay true to Jesus, this confession. And if you've yet to introduce yourself and say, hey, Jesus, here I am. I want to follow you and grow in a relationship with you. Make today your day. 
Don't walk out another day without this growing relationship with Jesus because it'll transform your life. Here's a passage that should open our eyes. It says in Colossians 3, 5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world because of the sins and they stir the anger of God or the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now now it is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, the dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Verse 10 is the meat. Here we go. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's the journey we're being purposed to pursue, to press on towards, to hold on to when we make a little progress, becoming more like Jesus. The prize is eternity in heaven. We obviously don't want to turn and lose that. We want to press on and become more and more like Jesus to the world around us every day. And we'll make not only this community a better place, we can literally be those that will make the world a better place. Stay true to the Lord. Don't get off track. Don't get off pace. Press on. Hold on. God has great things for you and that example is going to transform a bunch of people's lives around you. Can we pray together? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to walk through these doors today and open up your word, see how you challenge the Philippian church. And, and we referenced a bunch of other challenges to the church of Thessalonica and Corinth and Col the Colossians, all being challenged with the same things. Forget what was behind, step into this new and renewed, this fresh mercy that comes to us daily and walk in that. Press on in that, hold on in that. Set an example and live life to the full by staying true to the Lord. God, I pray that for every individual here. And if there's people who have yet to decide to follow you, Jesus, may they right now just invite you into their life saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to grow in a relationship with you. And, and, and I choose to follow you today. And that, God, you would awaken and, and, and freshly inspire me to press on, to live my life you've intended me to lead because it's going to make a difference in the world around me. God, we, we rest on you to help us through. We say, here we are. Use us, Lord, as an example for the world around us. Shape our lives freshly through your truth. Help us stay true to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.